Welcome to the PA Podcast. I'm Olivia Coftry, one of the two co-founders of Oriel Partners, a boutique PA and administrative recruitment consultancy based in Mayfair. The business was launched in 2018 with the aim to provide the highest quality of service to both our clients and candidates, following three main values, honest, kind and fun. Providing an honest and transparent service to our clients, to be kind and helpful to our candidates and to have fun in the office in a supported working environment. Part of the reason of launching our business was to inspire others and hence this PA podcast has been launched. I will be interviewing a number of successful PAs across a variety of industry sectors to provide current industry knowledge, explain how they got to where they are today and discuss the skills required to be successful in their roles. So this week, I'm really excited to be here with Josh Hunter. Hi, Josh. Hi, Olivia. How you doing? <laughs> yeah. Uh, Josh is Australian. You might be able to tell from the accent, yeah. um, but British passport. And just to give you a very quick overview, uh, Josh started his career in hospitality at the Firmdale Group. He worked at the hotels, uh, the Soho and the Covent Garden, where he was concierge. He did that for five years, um, then worked in lifestyle management, and for the last three years, he's been a private and business PA to a very high-profile actress. So I think this is going to be really interesting. Um, so over to you, Josh. I'd love to hear about your career history, um, how you got to where you are today. Yeah, well, um, yeah, as you said, um, I was concierge at uh, Soho Hotel and the Covent Garden Hotel, uh, which still today is one of my favourite jobs I've ever done. It's um, really interesting. You get to meet um, some pretty important people in the world. And uh, again, you know, it's um, it's nice to be able to sort of look after them in a way. Uh, and then, yeah, I did uh, a lot of lifestyle management work, uh, again, working with sort of film, theatre and music industries, uh, which, is, again, is really cool because you create a lot of connections. And, uh, and it's really interesting as well looking after some of these people and, um, you know, the satisfaction of, um, you know, being able to have that responsibility. Yeah. Uh, and then I guess whilst being in that world, I was very fortunate enough to have this job uh, with my boss now um, sort of be presented to me in a way. Mm-hmm. And, um, and yeah, we, yeah, as you said, I've been, been with her for about three years now and it's been fabulous, yeah. Great. So going back to when you were in concierge, mm. what were the, I mean, can you remember the, the weirdest or strangest requests that you had? Yeah, I mean, um, yeah, I'll try not to sort of <laughs> give away too much, but uh, yeah, no, we, we definitely as concierge, you know, we... Probably not as much as it probably was back in the day because I think a lot of people are a lot more private now. Right. So anything that's not, you know, considered, uh, I guess, normal for people, they usually have their personal assistants and things like that, deal with it. But, you know, I have been in Soho. I've been had requests to go and get porn and stuff like that <laughs> down the road. Um, uh, yeah, I, you know, we had a lot of high-profile celebrities there and... They would have what's called the rider, which is um, requests of food and alcohol to be put in the room or right. certain items. And um, some people would be only organic. So you'd be running around for a day going to all different Whole Foods and different supplement supplies and stuff like that. And, you know, getting a specific ginger beer that's, you know, funnily enough, was from Australia. Uh, and then you get someone who has like a completely different upbringing who wants like uh, cream cheese in a can 
and uh, yeah, and like a you know American sliced sort of cheese where you have to go to Subway and get that plastic cheese, and oh, yeah. and then they're paying five thousand pounds a night for a room. So and they want plastic cheese. Yeah, yeah, that's that's it. Yeah, <laughs> stuff like that. So which, nothing phased you. There was nothing. No, no, and it could shock you. Yeah, no, not really. I mean, you got to try and keep it ethical. Um, you know, there was. Probably only a couple of times people would ask me for illegal sort of stuff and you got to try and stay professional and just be like, no, I can't do that. As much as your job is about yes, mm. you know, you got to satisfy the client. Um, but again, you need, to, you need to remember what's ethical in your job. And I always think hospitality is a great first step into the world of being an assistant. 100%. Did absolutely. you feel like it really gave you a good grounding? It definitely did. And again, depending on the company you're working for and what their standards are, um, definitely with the Firmdale Group, I felt that the the how strict they were with their standards and how high they kept their standards for their staff probably developed me for who I am now and what I've been able to do. Amazing. So then when you became a lifestyle manager, was it your little black book that you developed that allowed you to kind of go and do that? Yeah, definitely. I mean, I, I always really wanted to work in, in film, theatre and music um, on a different level. And personal assistant was probably a step into that. Mm-hmm. Um, but it is probably one of the most difficult industries to get into because, you know, they don't just publicise these jobs on, online and, um, you know, you can't just go on Gumtree and find a job for a producer or a director and that. It really is who you know. Mm. Um, and I felt that having no success in finding that personal assistant job, going into lifestyle management was a way of sort of doing that but not as a full-time, you know, having a broad range of clients that you work with and... Um, that that was sort of my way of stepping into the personal assistant role without being a personal assistant. So essentially you were freelance. Exactly. And you'd yeah. do kind of project and then through that would get recommended to the next Yeah, project. absolutely. Um, so, you know, you'd either have regular clients who either the production couldn't pay for right. a PA, so they had to pay for you out of their own pocket and then that would only be the duration of whatever I was working on, whether it was a concert whether it was a small production or things like that. Uh, and then after that, you have to move on to the next job. And, you know, it, freelance is difficult. But Yeah, it, was it daunting when you had the 100%. Downtime? Yeah, yeah. It was, um, you know, when you're, you're sitting at home on the couch and, you know, you've got the TV on the background or radio and trying to keep yourself motivated and you're pumping out as many emails and phone calls as possible. And then, then you sit around going, when you know you, you've got nothing left to do for the day, you yeah. know that... There's something wrong here. You've yeah. got to you've got to step it up a bit. So. And what can you tell us about any of the productions that you were involved in? Yeah, um, yeah, I've been very fortunate to work on some um, pretty big productions and and travelled with them. So, um, uh, one of my clients asked me to come to Washington. Um, he was directing the presentation for Tom Hanks's inauguration into the Hall of Fame at the Kennedy Center Honors, wow. which was really cool because um, not only was Tom Hanks but um, Sting was also being uh, presented and um, he had uh, Lady Gaga, Bruno Mars and uh, Bruce Springsteen singing his songs as their presentation for him. So the days leading up to it while we're sort of sharing the stage with these sort of people, it was really cool and um, and the people who come and help out, like, you know, Barack Obama was there as well because it's, it's, a, it's a presidential honour as well for this sort of type of thing. Uh, and then... Um, 
very fortunate enough to be the uh, director's assistant for uh, Kevin Spacey's farewell gala at the Old Vic. Um, I know that's not a name we should be bringing up too much <laughs> these days, but at the time it was a big honour because, um, you know, he'd been the creative director of the Old Vic for over 10 years yeah. and he was a very big, important part of the revival of that theatre. Um, so that was, you know, those are pretty special moments in my life. Wow. So have you travelled internationally a lot when um, you are doing that? Not a great deal. I mean, I've probably on three or four occasions been asked to, to travel uh, for work. Uh, my boss now, sort of depending on the sort of production that she's doing, but mainly, I guess, working remotely from London. So, right. Yeah. And so why was it that you decided to leave the lifestyle management with the kind of very varied clients and yeah. move just to work as a kind of one-on-one assistant for one client? What, what was the reason for that decision? I think as much as freelance is nice to give you that freedom, um, but the the stability of just working for the one person is also very comforting. Mm. Um, you know your paycheck at the end of the month. Um, you're getting to know this client so that you can understand their way of working as well. Um, when you're dealing with multiple different clients, you have to be very flexible with and remember exactly how they want things and stuff. And as much as you can do that, but um, the, uh, definitely the regular stability of working for that one person was something I was, I was very searching for. And also... Um, the person was very much an up-and-coming sort of, you know, big deal. So it was nice to sort of jump on board and, and go on that ride with her. And, Amazing. Um, yeah. How did you get introduced to her? Through a friend, yeah. I so, you know, it. as I said, it's definitely who you know um, in this industry. And she was just uh, on one of the films um, that is now released and um, my friend was uh, the producer's assistant... Sorry, the director's assistant. Um and she just called me and said, you're still looking for a full-time job? And I was like, yeah. She's like, well, our main actress is, um, she's looking for someone. And she's like, you'd be stupid to, to turn it down. Yeah. I'm like, okay, cool. So, But I think also when you're dealing with people's private life, trust is so important. Huge. And if you're dealing yeah. with someone where there's a mutual connection, automatically you feel more comfortable, I think. Absolutely. And um, and you do start to understand that after you've been in that industry. Um you know, as you said, these people are trusting you with their personal life. Yeah. And especially when their life is exposed to the public and judged in the public mm. as well. Um, so you've got to be careful with the people around you and you need to be protected by these people as well. Mm. So, um, yeah, it is really important to have a recommendation from someone in the industry about someone else who, you know, they know is capable of doing that job. Yeah, especially yeah. I imagine if, if the lady who supported is up and coming, she probably mm. wants to be even more careful Absolutely with who she right. surrounds herself with. Yep. So day-to-day, um, your most recent role, yep. how much was business, how much private, how, how did it work? Um, it, it is a bit of both, and every day is different depending on what work is going on at the moment, where she's located... Um, so for instance, if she's on a production in America and I'm not traveling, then you're basically working until about 12 to 3am because it's LA time or New York time or whatever the case may be. Um, and then you'd normally sort of go to bed, wake up, do your London hour things with whatever it might be, the accountant and things like that. And then when she has free time and she's not working on a production, 
then you're looking after personal things because they want to stay active and want to stay motivated and things like that. So you're booking personal trips or family arrangements, birthdays, <laughs> hens do's. <laughs> anything. <laughs> anything, really. And what would you say the main difference is working for the high-profile actors or actresses compared to when you were back in your hospitality days? Yeah. Is there an obvious difference? Um, I think, yeah, obviously, there was a certain part of the job that I didn't need to do as a concierge. Um, It's funny when you, even though there was a lot of high-profile people at the Soho and uh, Covent Garden and they still had huge demands and requests and things, working for someone in an industry like um, like, uh, film and um, the events that they get invited to and some of the things you need to organise are just just completely out of this world like you know it it literally is a different world where you know they're getting private planes you yeah. know sent to them to get collected and go to the bahamas for an event and you're like how does how's this company making money off this i don't <laughs> understand um that's a huge difference is when you're exposed to that world and the type of things that sort of you need to arrange on their behalf yeah. is like oh my god this is insane would you want to be famous no no, that is absolutely, so interesting. Absolutely not. No, um, a lot of people sort of say about like how actors get paid or musicians get paid too much. They don't. They don't get paid enough in my book. Um, and I see it firsthand. The the emotional investment they need to to put into whatever work they're doing, and then they have to then you know coordinate a private life without public knowing about it and things like that. And and I, I've seen it before and, and, and I can see the stress and I can see, you know, how hard it is on people's lives. And um, but, you know, they need to do a song and dance for the public and, you know, everyone thinks that they get paid too much. And I think that's really wrong. That's I, really interesting. Yeah. And so hours wise, the kind of concept of a work life balance, is that not something you've ever really had? Yeah, I, I think, um, yeah, it is important to try and separate work and life. But then you also need to understand that um, depending on the job as mm-hmm. well. Um, you know, I, I've been employed to be on call 24 hours a day, you know, seven days a week. Um, so there is a part of your personal life you need to sacrifice and also understand that there is a moment where you might be doing something and then you have to go away from your friends or whatever and you're on the phone, you're making calls or you're doing emails. Um, that That's an understanding you must have before going into this job. Mm. Yeah, because mm. a lot of candidates I meet mm. all often say they want the private role. Sure, and they—it's th- a real attraction, I think. Yeah. I imagine it's the kind of glitz and glamour of what yeah. it, it looks like from an outside I think, perspective. I think that's exactly it as well. Yeah. Do you want now going forward to stay in that world, or do you, or would you like maybe more of a corporate role at senior level? Um, I don't think corporate. Um, you know, I think regarding personal assistant work anyway. Um, you need to choose the sector or industry that you're passionate about. Definitely. You need to love what you do, otherwise there's no point in doing it. And I think in in film and theatre and music, you definitely need to love that because your personal sacrifice is going to be quite significant. Um, so you need to understand that there's not going to be a huge reward initially, 
But down the track, you're going to feel that reward because you love what you do. Mm. And that's what's important, I think. And it shines through that you clearly do love yeah, what you do, yeah, which is great. Yeah. But I agree with you. You spend a lot of time working and you've got to love it. Absolutely. Do you think that there are um, a few skills that you have that are really needed to be successful in the PA role? Um, I think, you know, obviously your your essentials, you know, time management, diary management and all that sort of stuff. Um, but it was... Um, it was funny, a, a producer when I was actually a concierge at Soho and she was she's actually probably the reason I went into PA work. Um, and I did a couple of sort of things for her and stuff like that and then I told her my desire of wanting to go into PA and she's like, that's great, you'll be fabulous out of Josh. And she said, um, just one tip, don't ever be replaceable. And I was like, what do you mean by that? Like, obviously, don't be, be replaceable in any Josh. She's like, don't give your employer ever a reason to replace you. Always be as easy as possible even if you know a task that they're asking you isn't going to happen, you've, you've got to say, yeah, okay, let's give it a crack. Um, if you give them any reason where you're going to be difficult and you'd be like, no, you can't do that, like, you've got to try. That's what, you, that's what you're getting paid to do, mm. you know. So um, that was really interesting. That was a, almost like the same sort of theory of a yes man, you, yeah. know, you know, yes sir, no sir, how many bags full? You know, <laughs> that's, that's sort of what you need to go through that concept, even if you know it's not going to be possible. That's so your hospitality training. Yeah. So if there is a task which you can't do and you say you'll look into it, absolutely, and then you come back with, you know, an answer that you can't do it, do you just provide an alternative? How do you cope with that? Got to have options. You you can't just go back to someone and go, no, it can't be done and stonewall them. You need to give them options of what they... They've obviously got something that they want to do, mm. you know, whether it's a restaurant or a concert or, you know, a hotel they want to stay at. Um, you can't just go, no, it's not going to happen. It's like, listen, there's this alternative and, you know, it's not it's not what you want, but it's the next best thing. Mm. So. Thank goodness for Google. Yeah, right? <laughs> it's true. It's true. Um, yeah, you, you definitely... you gotta you got to hit those Google tools. <laughs> And so going uh, to the recruitment process that yep. you've been through, I yep. mean, it sounds like you have got a lot of your roles through word of mouth. So yep. You haven't done that. But yep. obviously we met recently through yeah. um, the recruitment process of trying Correct. to get your next role. So yep. talk to me about that. What have you found as the challenges or frustrations or what have you enjoyed about that? Um, what I like about it is that, um, you know, it's obviously you're, you've got your connections and, and, and things like that. and. That's an industry I don't know about. Mm-hmm. So it's nice to have someone there representing you um, and doing doing something for you that's going to help you later on down the track. Um, and obviously working with you guys has, has been a dream and, you know, it's been um, seamlessly and effortless for me. Um, you know, I've just had to turn up with a suit and tie and be pretty and say the right things. <laughs> Josh came to see me having <laughs> landed at what, 5am? Flew in at 5am from Oz. And he was there, what time was our meeting? Mid-morning? Oh yeah, it was like I think 10, 10.30 or something I like was that. I think I just, I just got back to uh, flat in Kennington, uh, I had a shower, I pressed my shirt, uh, I had about 50 cups of coffee <laughs> and then I made my way down and, and down meeting to you. to see me yeah. in the West End. Well, yeah. I mean, that's commitment. Yeah, right. <laughs> you know, it matters, you know. I was really appreciative of that. Yeah. Um, so at the moment, you're going through the interview process. Yes. And what, for you, what's been the norm in terms of the interview process? Um, I think definitely it's, I guess, you go through the normal questions, you know. 
what, what's your background? Uh, why do you think you're good? And, and things like that. Um, and then there, I guess there's sort of more specific questions where every job, I guess, is tailored differently, mm-hmm. especially personal assistant work. And, and obviously I'm, I'm, the sort of work I'm looking for is like private households and things like that. So um, there's going to be a stage where they're like, are you, are you okay from working from home? You know, it's like, yeah, that's fine. It's like, I, I didn't really realise this, but a lot of people can't work from home. They need to be in an office in, environment. I, I wasn't really aware of that because I just thought everyone would have loved to work from home. Um, but I guess people find it difficult to be self-motivated. Yeah. Um, and that's another big quality sometimes when it comes to personal assistant is because you do understand it now. You don't want a personal assistant who's unconfident in what they're doing. Like, you're paying them to do something for yeah. you, right? They're not confident in doing it, then, you know, that's. I guess that's a, a quality that I didn't realise that you really need to have. But in a private household, you don't always have a massive team around you. No. So you're going to be in an environment where you have to work autonomously and, and be self-motivating, yeah. otherwise you're really going to struggle. Yeah. But I, I do understand that. I mean, when I work from home, there are distractions, yeah. of course. Yeah. But I think you've got to be the type of person that you can really get your head down and focus. Yeah. And you find your routine as Absolutely. well. Absolutely. Um, you know, I, I think a lot of people are sort of, I, I guess one of these questions again with these people, they're sort of like, well, you, you work remotely a lot now, don't you, Josh? It's like, yeah. And they're like, so what, what's your day to day? And it's like, well, you've got to find your routine. You know, I, whenever my boss is in LA, I'll, I'll wake up, I'll, um, I'll do my phone calls and emails for everything that happened while I was asleep. Uh, and then I might go to the gym and, you know, do something, come back, have lunch and then get ready for when LA and New York wake up and, then just go for it. Um, but then your routine changes when they're back in London. So then you've got to work on London hours and, mm. and do that sort of thing. It's adapting your working style. It literally is. Yeah. yeah, you've got to adapt to the timeline and, and, and what's happening right around around your employer. And typically, would you meet the main principle that the role would be supporting right at the end? Um, or do they ever get involved earlier on? Because in my experience, that fit is going to be what makes or breaks the role yeah. more than anything else. And it's sometimes I think it can be frustrating when that meeting happens at the end of the process. When actually, yeah. if it happened further further forward, maybe you could have worked that out quicker. I, I agree with you, but I guess it's just a tradition of absolutely. You know, of this is this is the process that we do recruitment is that we meet you, we then look for a job, we then send you to possibly another representative mm. of of the principal, and then after that, once everyone's survived, you know. Uh, satisfied with you, then you then meet the principal. But then they could be preparing you for something that's completely different. Mm. So, you know, I know recently with one of the sort of jobs I've been going through, I've gone through a double sort of uh, interview process and uh, they, they, they continue to sort of say you need to be immaculately dressed and things like that. And for me, immaculate dress is like almost like a three-piece suit. Like, it's like, what do I do here? And then when I met with um, the principal, they're like, oh, no, like, you know, a business shirt and a sweater is fine. I'm like, well, that's not immaculately dressed. <laughs> that's just smart casual for me. <laughs> Hopefully that's where an agency, though, will be able to, like, give you those extra tips. Exactly Because right. when we meet our clients, we pick up mm. so quickly what other people are wearing, what the current assistant's wearing. Yeah. When we ask those direct questions, you know, yeah. what is appropriate for first interview? Some companies, it's jeans and trainers, and if you rocked up in a suit, you, they'd think you were the wrong culture fit, yeah, and, exactly right. and others, it, it, it's the opposite. Yeah. So hopefully that is one advantage. Um, I sometimes with my um, with my PA roles, I use the 
uh, Kate Middleton. I'm like, dress like Kate Middleton because she always <laughs> looks immaculate. You know, skirt, jacket, tights, <laughs> shoes. I think they must think I'm mad. But, yeah. you know, if they can look as polished as she does, if it yeah. is if it is for a female that I'm talking to, then yeah. uh, I always think that would work well. Yeah. Um, and I think you're right in regards to when you do go through an agency and a recruitment process, um, you do get those inside tips. And yeah. it's really important because, as you said, if you find something off one of the sort of online websites or something, and then you're, you're directly going to the principal, you could have dressed differently and prepared differently. Like, even if they work in the finance sector, they might not be the type of sort of stiff person you're thinking mm. of. They might be quite relaxed and arty. You don't know. Absolutely. And you're going in for a business approach when you should be going in with a casual and a yeah. more personal approach. And I often say just because it's a corporate industry doesn't mean the culture is going to represent exactly. that. Do you get a lot of roles through LinkedIn? Have you used that as a tool a lot? Not not a great deal. Um, again, because, uh, as I said, I felt my industry is very much word of mouth. Mm. Um, and, again, I, I would never really expect to see a, a job like what I'm doing now on LinkedIn. Right. Um, so it's very, you know, not up to date. <laughs> um, and it was one of the things recently a friend actually recommended to me. It was like, is your LinkedIn update? I'm like, what? No, why? Yeah, you like, definitely They're should. like, you know, like everyone looks at that. Absolutely. And I'm like, oh, yeah, no, I had no idea. <laughs> and we've talked about this before, I'm sure on this podcast, but social media is so important to make yeah. sure it's First of all, private. Mm. You know, your Instagram really should be, um, mm. you know, as secure as possible. No one wants to see the pictures of you in your swimwear. You know, yeah. it's just not needed. <laughs> or cocktail in hand. It just doesn't give the right first impression. And again, yeah. sometimes if your CV doesn't match up with your LinkedIn, you know, yeah. your job titles are where you've been or it's not updated, again, it doesn't reflect well. If you're yeah. serious about finding your job, you know, I definitely think that it, it's a helpful tool. Yeah, And not in your industry maybe so much, but generally I think people do post jobs Mm. more on LinkedIn. Yeah. Um, and so it could be a really good opportunity to, to source something. Yeah, um, absolutely. So, so usually I would say LinkedIn is, is a great tool. Yeah. Um, so kind of long term, um, you've talked about looking for a role in, in private households. Yeah. What do you, Where do you see your career going long term? Um, to be honest, I'm not too sure. I've sort of thought about that sort of question before. Um, when I was in film and theatre, the, the sort of direction I wanted to go in was producing. Um, okay. And that was sort of a nice little in of doing that. Um, not that I don't really want to do that, but right now I don't feel like I'm ready to really take that step. And then um, unfortunately with my, my current boss, um, she's going to be solely based in LA now. So um, I could try and continue working in that industry, but I, I know from personally it's going to be difficult just to find something like that. Mm -hmm. um, I went looking for the household job because, I don't know, I, I sort of like the idea of working with a family directly. Mm -hmm. um, definitely something a little bit more personable. Um, and I guess it's another way of being exposed to a different industry that mm -hmm. I haven't worked in before. Yeah. So, you know, they could be working in property finance or whatever, even though you're not working directly in their industry, you're more looking after them and the family, you're still exposed to it in a different way. And I guess that's just keeping your options open a little bit. Well, good luck with your search. Yeah, thank and you. Obviously, Oriel Partners will be doing their best thank to help. Thank you. Also. I hope so. <laughs> thank you so much for coming to talk to us. My it's, pleasure. It's really interesting thank um, you. hearing what you've been up to and we will um, be in touch. Yeah, brilliant. Thank Thanks you very so much. much. Cheers. 
Thank you so much for listening to the Oriel Partners PA podcast. I hope you found this informative and inspiring. If you are looking for a new PA role or know anyone else who might be, please do point them in our direction and we would love to assist. The web address is orielpartners.co.uk and our office number is 0207 101 Job hunting can be a very daunting experience and we are fully aware of that and ready to support and guide you through the process. We never push our candidates and we will never waste your time. Our open and honest conversations discussing your future career allow us to fully understand your ambitions and objectives and enable us to advise you in the best way possible. Whether you are a college leaver looking for your first London role or a high-flying EA at the pinnacle of your career, our team are fully qualified to assist you. We are also here to help with any CV queries, negotiating a pay rise or general career advice. I will be back next week for the next episode of the PA podcast. Have a great week, everyone.